This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's Speroni. He rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. A space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson. Oh, yes. Back of the nest. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I am your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk, and it's preview time once again. Albert Curley returns from his hiatus in the Czech Republic and joins Sam Heskiff to review the loss at Bournemouth preview the visit of Wolves and also talk new deals, Halloween, cabbages and the banter era of Paddy Strikers. The 77 Club podcast is the opposition this week and we discuss their meteoric rise and the prospect of it all going bear-shaped in the black country. Now let's make like a Mamadou Sacco elbow and smack you in the face with all of the content. Yes, Heskiff, welcome. Thanks. You, how are you feeling? You sound a little bit grumpy when you joined. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> a combination of still not being over Monday night and this week being the first week of term at the university I work at. Um, and also the fact that I'm miserable all the time anyway. It's not the best combo, is it? Yeah, there you go. Well, also joining us and... I'm terribly sorry to say after two weeks of firstly having Mike Scott and then um, Patrick O'Connor come in and give us some amazing analysis and punditry. Um, we've got Albert back this week. Boom. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. It's it's been it's been too long. It's been two two weeks too long. Yeah, exactly. How did without me? It, you, well, obviously, you listened to both of them intently, right? No, I, no, I, di- I didn't. <laughs> Too busy getting pissed in the Czech Republic. I was listen. I've, I've done two weeks of nights in in the Czech Republic. I'm not sure what day it is now. I don't really know what's happened recently with Palace. Uh, so it's going to make for a great show. <laughs> so you're going to be a joy. Um, right, we're going to start with this. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Heskiff, are you still on the Dosset quiz? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm on the Moretti. I thought you were going to play Billiam's uh, voiceover toothpaste commercial there. Um, I'm on um, the Moretti because once again, it was on offer. 
<laughs> it was on offer. Um, Alberts, have you brought anything back from the Czech Republic? Are there any of those little like stubby bottles? No, do you know what? I, I was drinking pretty solidly for two weeks, so I've I've, in, I've purposely not bought anything, and then realised that I do actually I've become quite reliant on it. <laughs> um, and then the only thing that was in the fridge was two bottles of cider that I was hoodwinked into buying at like a a crafty food fair, and I was hoodwinked. I mean, it was in like Ricelip, but the guy said it was brewed in South London, and I was like, wee. Um, <laughs> And I'm drinking it now, and it sort of dawned on me that I really don't like cider. <laughs> Does it have it's a name? Loxley. It's called Loxley. Loxley. I think it is nice. There's two versions. One of them's um, brewed in old whiskey barrels, so it's got like a little whiskey taste, which is great, but I don't like whiskey either, so it's a double <laughs> win for me. <laughs> well, Four pound a bottle. I've gone big this week, lads. I've gone really big. I, I actually I actually prepared for once. And um, well, I say prepared. The missus dragged me out last weekend when we didn't have a game. And um, we went to some plant and flower show in the um, courtyard of Gypsy Hill Brewery. So in celebration of it being Oktoberfest, I went for their very own Oktoberfest lager, Wiesen, it's called. So um, it's in a very fancy can, a very big can. I'm just going to, this is going to be my first taste. Go on, Albert, as I'm tasting this. Whilst you're, whilst you're drinking, can I just say that I was a little bit nervous about saying I bought mine at a craft food fair in Ricelip, and then you've come along and said you bought yours at a flower show. <laughs> so, thanks, mate. We'll have a hipster off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can report that it is very, very lovely, 5.6%. Uh, so drink responsibly, people. Um Right, first up, Middlesbrough has been announced and it will take place on Halloween. Obviously, Paddy's playing on the Sunday against Arsenal. Um, and then I think the following Sunday as well, so it slots in the middle there. I'm going to take a poll from you two and I'll do whatever you two say. Should I go to Middlesbrough? Bearing in mind it's going to cost me a day's worth of holiday, 70 quid in trains, 50 quid in a hotel, and then whatever expenses while I'm up there. Should I go? Heskiff. Yes. Alberts? Are you going to the games either side? Yes, obviously. Then yes, you go for the hat trick. <laughs> I'm kind of like of the opinion, I've already done Swansea and West Brom away in a cup. I surely just shouldn't drop it all in now. But Playing a Tony Pulis side on Halloween, I mean, it writes itself, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... Oh. Oh, it's just going to be one of those games as well. At least there's no extra time anymore. But I suppose if it was extra time and I've got a hotel, it wouldn't really matter. But Or I could do the dreaded club coach. That would be scary. Ooh, that's, a, that's definitely a trick on trick or treat, isn't it? One person who certainly hasn't done the scary club coach is Naya Kirby, who's just signed a new deal at Palace. Um, do you think this Heskiff is trying to keep away bigger teams who might be having a sniff around seeing him play for England and all of that? Yeah, I'm sure that's something to do with it. Um, I mean, it's gone a little bit quiet on him, of you know, in recent times. But I think that's just because you know, beforehand, England youth teams were doing really well, and he was he was part of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously highly rated, and uh, look what happened with Reese Alassani when we signed him up on a bumper deal. That worked out well. Well, it has for him. He's recently signed for Coventry for quite a lot of money, so. Um... <laughs> he's finally sort of in your face Heskiff I know that's me told isn't it (laughs) Um, Albert Nia Kirby's got some hair on him isn't he 
He's got some moves as well. I was watching his little, uh, what well, I don't know what they were calling it, his little skills video that the club put out this week. Mm. I couldn't work out what was going on. Um, yeah, hair and skills. What more do you want? What just happened ever to levelling the ball into Rose Ed? Uh, well, we've got like Christian Benteco and stuff to do that, haven't we? <laughs> um, things that come from Rose Ed at Aston Villa is apparently a cabbage. Um, someone someone launched a cabbage at Steve Bruce in their game on Tuesday night where, little side note, Yannick Balassi scored a last-minute equaliser for Villa but wasn't enough to keep the former Palace man in a job. Um, a lot going around about him losing both of his parents in the short space of time, etc., etc. But even after all these years, Heskiff, can you even find a jot of anything to feel sorry for him? Um, absolutely not. Um, also... You know, if it was someone else, you might say, what a waste of veg. But I hate cabbage and I hate Steve Bruce. So long where they stayed together. Albert, have you ever read Steve Bruce's books that he wrote? I've, I've, I've read and heard passages via another podcast. Uh, shout out for quickly Kevin Will He Score, 90s football podcast. Um, it's very surreal, isn't it, to, to think that that's... Surely that's not him writing it, but then it clearly is. <laughs> um, apparently they're like really hard to get hold of and kind of expensive in collector's items now. Extremely hard to get your head around, I know that much. <laughs> uh, He's going to have plenty of time to write more now though, isn't he? So something to look forward to. Is there is there something something about Steve Bruce and cabbages? Because I'm sh- I swear that when he came back to Birmingham, uh, sorry, came back with Birmingham after doing the dirty on us, People were lobbing cabbages at him then as well. Or was that lettuces? Um, there was definitely, there was definitely but... something about him. Him, he was he was he had a phobia of of a vegetable, or his wife did, and people started lobbing it at him. I'm sh- I'm sure there's a story there. <laughs> Maybe just he's always carrying them around himself, and he's just like left it there or something. I I don't know. Um, well, do get in touch with the show. Yeah. If you know if Steve Bruce has got history with salad leaves yeah let us know indeed um one of his books is called, very good one of his books is called <laughs> sweeper and i think one's called defender as well but he doesn't have a book called striker and heskiff strikers were on the your topic of social media this week yeah they were um so there's a, a thread that various people um palace fans and non-palace fans were tweeting about um the the guy who posted its Twitter handle is Tommy Holb, Tommy H U L B, um, and he put up a thread um, of banter strikers who have played for Palace over the last twenty years, um, starting off with Alexander Serlot because he's never going to score a Premier League goal. I mean that's, that's a strong um, shout. <laughs> it, it is a very strong shout. I mean, there's some favourites in there. Fraser Campbell. I think I think we all like Fraser, yeah, don't we? I mean, well. Uh, he wasn't the one who stood out for me. It was Shamak who I was outraged. Shamak, well, I mean, I'm a massive Shamak fan, so I was a bit, it's a bit annoyed at that one. But then you can't really argue with a lot of them, um, even some that you'd sort of forgotten had played for us. Um, but he he named such luminaries um, as Rui Fonte, uh, Wayne Andrews, even Caviedis, um, and. You know the list goes on. It, obviously, Kevin Doyle was the the standout there because he was probably the most banter signing we've made. Uh, but he did score against Dover, 
So every cloud. <laughs> Can I just clarify, you know, I'm going to be the wide-eyed protagonist here and you're going to explain the, the plot of the film to me as through my eyes. Are we talking, when you say banter, you mean shit, right? Yeah, he Correct. actually put... A, right, well, whoever put Shamak in there needs to hang their head in shame. No, so he actually put a definition of what banter strikers were. And he said it's strikers that work hard with the total lack of ability to score a goal. <laughs> so the list runs through Sola, Fraser Campbell, Loic Remy, Emmanuel Adebayor. Then he gets to Shamak. So in all fairness to him, he does say, um, I actually really like Shamak. But then he does say he scored two goals in 28 games, which is not true. I don't know whether that was a run he was talking about, but he certainly scored, I think, nine or ten goals for Palace. Um, Freddie Ladapo. I'd also question... I'd also question Lovick Remy working hard. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I think he fought more falls under the banter side. Um, I mean, Freddie Ladapo is a bit harsh. He, he's not very... Um, he didn't play enough games, I don't think. Shoulder Amiobi, uh, Yaya Sonogo, Cameron Jerome. I mean, I love Cameron Jerome. I've, I think he'd do well for us now, bringing Townsend and Zaha into the game. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's an acquired taste. Aaron Wilbraham... Alex Nimley, Jermaine Easter, Pedroza. Uh, he did link the famous Pedroza treat, um, tweets that he wrote. Do you remember that, Albert? Yeah, didn't he get a bit, um, got a bit leery? Yeah, after we beat Brighton in the playoffs. Or it, was it the No, it was the following season when they got in the playoffs and lost. Um, you can effing get in the playoffs, but you never be at the Prem like Eagles, you Brighton wankers. Back at England. So excited. <laughs> so shout out to Antonio Pedroza. Um, I think that's second all-time Palace tweet for me behind um, Nathaniel Klein uh, writing, South London is ours. F off. Yeah, well, South oh, the mill London one, is yeah, ours. Um, Pablo Conago, Calvin Andrew, Stefan Everson, Stern John, Alan Lee, Shefki Kuchi, the list goes on. Uh, there was no Simon Thomas in there. That was a banter striker coming in with Calvin Andrew around that time. Adi Akinbae, Nicola Ventola, Steve Cabber. The Steve Cabber one did make me laugh. Steve Cabber, not all of our youth products turn into Zaha. <laughs> Poor old Cabber. But um, yep, so that was that was good fun this week. No Trevor, Trevor Benjamin's Benjamin. in there, don't worry, he made it. Trevor Benjamin's yeah. in there. One goal in six games, I think, for Trevor Benjamin. So um, good Willie was in there, along with Paul Dickoff, two great names. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah congratulations to tommy Holt on your thousands <laughs> of retweets etc and um for giving us all of a giggle right we're gonna be back after this short message and we'll be reviewing if we have to the bournemouth game back of the nest match preview podcast www.backofthenest.com right so I guess some of us went there with high hopes and an hour before kickoff, we was all delighted to see that Max Meyer was finally in the starting 11. Um, how do you think he did, Albert? I <laughs> didn't really see the game. Um, his stats were good. I'm, his stats were I'm good. sorry, I, I did that to you deliberately. Hesky, fill us in. <laughs> well, unlike some people, Terence, you know, you and I actually bothered to watch Palace games, so... Um, I do have an opinion on Max Meyer. I thought I thought he was I thought he was very good. Um, you know, the first half wasn't great all round for Palace in reality, but sort of similar to his, you know, what we said after the the West Brom game, where he's always looking for a pass. His first touch is always to set up his second. 
and he sort of carried that on, I thought. And, and second half, he was really um, getting a lot more of the ball, you know, getting moves going. And yeah, it's, it's what we all hoped that he would do, you know, when he finally got his chance. And it looks now like Roy's uh, happy to put him in. And I, I'll be very surprised if he's not starting again on Saturday. Yeah, well, Albert, you said there um, he had some very good stats. Uh, 96.4% pass accuracy, only misplacing two pass passes. 96.4%, that's about the accuracy of your um, quick-witted jokes after I lead you into something. Oh, no, no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> and he misplaces the pass. Yeah, there you go. Can't, can't all be perfect. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was a frustrating game on Monday night, I think is the best way to sum it up. Started really, really slowly, um, allowed Bournemouth to dictate pretty much everything, do whatever they wanted, scored an early goal, created a couple of dangerous scenarios. Um, and really the best we had to offer was a deflected free kick wide from Milivojevic, which s- still I have absolutely no idea how um, Lerma, the Colombian midfielder, got away without getting booked when he brought Maya down on the edge of the box from behind. Obviously then, last five minutes of the first half, much, much better. And then I thought we were genuinely very good for the um, first 15 minutes of the second half and obviously got back in the game with a with a contentious goal, um, borderline offside <laughs> or definitely offside, which, whichever way you're looking at it from. But a fantastic finish from Patrick Van Arnholt. But then we stopped off the gas again and it's just, it's left me wondering... Heskiff, what's wrong? What what what's happening? Is it because we don't know our best eleven? Is it is it because we're just not as good as we think we are? As Roy lost it, what what's going wrong? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a few of those things. Um, I, I definitely don't think we know our best eleven slash best formation. Um, there are players who are still in the team that I think maybe shouldn't be at this point. Um, I hate to dig him out because I'm a massive fan of Jimmy, but he's been off the ball a little bit lately and didn't have a great game again and I was surprised that Kiate didn't uh, keep his place after the West Brom game um, but then you know it, we, we seem to be starting quite slowly this season and we're not reacting to certain things so Bournemouth made a change you know because I agree we, we were on top first 15-20 of the second half we were all over them and they made a change they brought on Gosling for Brooks and sort of packed it out a little bit, and we just went off the ball. And I don't know whether that's, you know, whether we just naturally lost it a bit, or whether we couldn't cope with an extra man, um, whether you know we needed to change something ourselves to counter that. Um, and I think we we know that Roy can be a bit stubborn. Um, he likes to be loyal. He likes to stick to certain players, and he likes to stick to certain formations, and he doesn't change it during the game as much as perhaps he should. Um, and I think when you add all of those things up together, it, it you know, it, it sort of shows why we're having such a average start to the season. And unfortunately, you know, we've got games coming up against some good teams, some of the better teams in division, where we would hope that we would have had more points in the bag by now than we than we do. So yeah, I mean I don't really have an answer. Um, but it, if, you, if you did, you could be our new first team. Coach. Exactly. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a tough one, but I think, you know, you sort of hope. Well, next game he'll play. He'll play the right players, and we'll get a result. But you know, I, I thought that honestly, when I saw Meyer in the team for Bournemouth, I thought this this will be this will be it. 
and it, it fell flat again a bit. Um, you know, we've had chances in games. We had chances against Southampton and Newcastle and a moment of madness on uh, against Bournemouth on Monday meant we didn't get a draw in that game. So individual errors, individual sort of misses as well doesn't help. But there's, yeah, something's not quite right. It's not clicking at all, is it? No, we've certainly thrown away probably around seven points this season now with the, well, Mamadou Sacco's thrown away three of them himself in the in the last two weeks um, and been rewarded with a call up to the France squad, World Champions France. Um, Albert, were you surprised by that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw the uh, I saw it on the socials and I thought, oh, because bearing in mind, I've only really seen highlights of the last few games I've been away. Um and obviously reading all the social media and our sort of private chats, et cetera, it was apparent that he's clearly not in the best best vein of form. And all, you know, like you say, all of a sudden he's called back to play for the world champion. So it does seem a bit strange. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily playing badly, but he's just, he's epitomised everything that is Mamadou Sacco in the sense that, you know, he's, he's quality for a large majority of the time, but why he didn't make it at the top level is because he has moments like Monday night in him. I mean, I was saying after the game, I want to phone him and get petrol money off of him for that journey because he ruined the uh, the whole evening. We'd battle well for a point. Um, we'll get on to Wayne Hennessy later, but I thought Wayne made two great saves to really what should have earned us a point. Um, and I thought it was a shame that he didn't save the penalty because if he saved the penalty, I reckon that would have turned a lot of fans for him for the way he played in the last 15 minutes of that game. But um, before we get ahead of ourselves, James MacArthur... Um, I'll go on now, but you can touch on that first. I just wanted to say, do you think, um, I mean, it's a penalty, obviously it's a penalty, but do you think he's unlucky in the respect that, you know, that's the sort of challenge that you do see quite a lot of the time going on in an area when a, when a set piece is coming? Do you think he's unlucky in the context that, eight, you know, eight times out of ten, those don't get given? I would 100% say he was unlucky in if the scenario was just that. But the fact is... They set the free kick up and then Lerma kind of backed himself into Sacco and Sacco shoved him like way backwards towards the goal. Mike Dean then come and spoke to the two of them and said, behave yourself, especially you, focusing on Mama a lot and told him, like, I'm watching you. So the fact that he knows the referee is watching him and you can see Mike Dean is standing three yards away from him, like staring at Mamadou Sacco. To then throw your arm up like that, not just once, to double barrel it as well, I think it's just sheer stupidity from um, from Mama Heskiff. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think it's especially with the ref telling him to pack it in, you can't then five seconds later forearm someone because it's one of those where you know that you know the Bournemouth player is going to go down, even if there's no contact. Really, it's one of those things where he knows the referee's looking, so he'll chance it, and you can't give him it. You can't give him any sort of sniff that he's going to actually have contact made. The referee's looking right at him. And it's the sort of thing that you'd be annoyed if you saw, you know, a young defender who's just got in the team make. It it shouldn't be something that an experienced defender does. And I think from some of the tweets from the players after the game, where they said, oh, you know, we've we've wasted those points. I think they were all smart and a little bit too. So I'm sure he wasn't, uh, he was sort of sitting on his own in the loner seat at the back of the bus on the way home. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Van Arnholt talked about it on the official Palace pod last week about saying that um, they, they're all happily 
they'll criticize each other when people make mistakes and i think that's a healthy environment to be in so while he'll probably have his head hung low for that i'm sure he'll be back at it the following day you know obviously getting a france call up is going to help his mood no end but i think there's an environment there a healthy environment where you can you know point out your mistakes and errors and you know everyone knows you just leave it on the field and it's the end of that there but um in terms of talking Wayne Hennessy, man of the match, he was my man of the match. I think. Uh, did you have any other opinions, Heskiff? No, I think he. I think he played really well. That save he made with his feet when they when they broke was absolutely superb. Um, he broke his feet. He broke his feet and he stayed on the pitch. What a hero! Um, no, I think he played well again. Um, he didn't. He didn't really do anything wrong. He made some really good saves when he needed to. And like you say, he really, from those, you know, couple of saves he made towards the end alone, we should be getting a point because he deserves it for those. Um, so, yeah, I can't really argue that he was man of the match, to be honest. I'm, I'm not sure who else would be up there. Maya was quite good. Um, I thought Wambataka grew into the game. I don't think he had a very good first half, I must say. Um, he looked a bit unsteady, but he, he grew into the game when the team did. But, um, yeah, I think Hennessy was our best player. Yeah, I think um, watching the game back, I had it recorded and uh, Jamie Carragher was talking about, you know, uh, Andros Townsend didn't really help him out of his defending. He thought he was defending way too narrow, um, especially considering he was playing a five across the middle. So um, there's probably an element of that getting left a little bit exposed. But, yeah, in the second half, he was he was excellent. Loads of, again, loads of tackles, obviously, interceptions in there. So, um Another solid performance from Wambasaka, but yeah, for me, Hennessy this week was the was the main standout man. Um, we're going to finish that there. Just a quick fleeting review. We would have obviously dwelled on it much longer if we won, but um, <laughs> if you want long, go and read my two thousand five hundred word match report on it because <laughs> I I fully went full moan mode there. So anyway, we're going to finish here, and then when we come back, I'm going to be talking to Sam from the 77 Club podcast, our opposition fan. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast, www.backofthenest.com. Okay, we are now joined by our Wolves fan from the 77 Club podcast, Sam. Sam, thanks for joining. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, I was happy to be on your podcast last night, even if your boys did give me a bit of a dressing down after about Wilfred now, Zaha. <laughs> was it you that uh, got, we got the little nibble off earlier on social media? Oh, that was absolutely me, yes. Um, <laughs> we knew it would. Yeah, I, it, well, I, I wasn't joking. That, that Zaha no. footage was edited on Match of the Day. It's crazy, right? You yeah, it was conspiracy. Yeah, you wouldn't think that would happen, but it did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know. Yeah, we absolutely understand. I think we see it in rose-tinted glasses and all that. But um, as I say, excellent pod for all the listeners. If um, Go ahead and look up for the 77 Club podcast. Excellent listen, brilliant produced, and genuinely funny. I laughed a lot, mate. So no, Thank job. you very much. No, we're looking forward to, to hearing this one once it's out. <laughs> oh, we're nowhere near as slick. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, like, so let's start with the sun. Yeah, <laughs> let's start in the summer. Uh, your transfer business was unbelievable, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, no one was 
more surprised to think than us. It all seems to happen very, very quickly. I mean, lots of clubs, even last season, were complaining about transfer policies. You have people like Aston Villa, ironically, Aston Villa uh, having a go about money that we spent. They didn't, didn't mind when we were 15th in the championship the season before. But like I say, what a great transfer policy. But I think the most important deals that were made this summer, maybe aside from the Matinho signing, was making the loan signings permanent. That was the most important thing for us. Um, you know, you jotters. Um, and, and Bolly, big, big players. And uh, also, you know, that, that goalkeeper that we've got is is world-class. And I don't think we've seen anyone quite like Rui Patricio between the sticks wearing gold and black before. He is a pleasure to watch. Yeah, well, it's a step up from Wayne Hennessy, that's for it sure. really is a step up from Wayne <laughs> Hennessy. Uh, uh, was it um, Deli Ali that he tipped onto the crossbar out the top corner the other week? Uh, I can't remember who it was against. but uh, It was uh, Sterling, I think, against... Yeah, Man- Sterling, that, that was the one, yeah. yeah. What a save, unbelievable. Great save. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, unbelievable is, is the word that we use every week. We, we are truly blessed. Yeah, so um, if you want to do a swap deal for Wayne, you know, he's available. He's got way more Premier League experience. <laughs> hey, we've offloaded him once. Uh, and to be fair, he's still there. I mean, I can't believe it. The amount of people I've spoken to and they go, how has Wayne Hennessy been in the Premier League playing for as long as he has done? It's just it's just astounding, really, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. In all fairness to him, um, he's actually turned it around a bit in the last few months and starting to win fans over a bit. And it's all coincided with Dean Kiley coming in as our goalkeeper coach. Um, he's really transformed him. So um, we're all, we all might have to be eating our words in the coming months because he's looked good so far. <laughs> he always just seemed a little bit leggy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Very slow, very slow to get up of a rebound. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't command his area as well as he should for someone that big. No. For someone who can kick the ball the length of the field, he's not very accurate with it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's anyway, let, less about Wayne Hennessy and <laughs> goal <laughs> Uh, much like your transfer business, I suppose the the start came out of the blue as well. It's been brilliant and really competed with everyone you've played against. We've never... In the games that we've played this season, we've never walked away from a game and thought we've really been outplayed there. Even a loss to Leicester, which is still our only loss in the league this season, that it, we were thinking, I think we've been done hard, hard done by there. Um, the first two games of the season, we ended up playing against 10 men, which you know can, can have its pros and cons. And, and for us, it, it worked out that it was cons in that they had goals in the bag already and then were able to just sit back with that experience and they, those that Premier League experience too uh, and, and just soak up that pressure. Um, but when it was 11 versus 11, you know, wins against uh, West Ham, Burnley, th- these are games that we're expecting to win or expecting that we should be winning if we're wanting to stay in this league. Um, and it vindicates points against your Manchester United and your Manchester City. So, you know, we're completely chuffed with this start, but some fans will be getting carried away. I mean, you've got lots of wind-up merchants on social media talking about Europe and stuff, but you know what? We'll, t- we'll still take 17th if you offered it now. Yeah, well, um, Arsenal against Carrier Bag has just finished on the TV. You fancy that as an away trip next season? Do you know what? I'd go if it was grasshoppers or whatever sort of in in the depths of Austria. It really doesn't matter to us, you know. A European tie, seeing Wolves in one uh, would be absolutely phenomenal because I think I think it's the 1970, 1972 would have been the UEFA Cup final against Tottenham, I think, which, which Wolves lost. So that was the last time, I think, playing in Europe. Yeah, we played two tyres once in the Intertoto Cup and we lost them both 2-0 to Samson Spore. So, um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. 
Uh, and I'm guaranteed the first time we get to Europe, if it ever happens, we'll draw a team in Greece away and I'll get stabbed to death. So um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's true. I mean, the Greeks are probably saying the same about you, to be fair. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, look out for the hipster London army. Um, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you've said there, do you think there's any signs of complacency setting in in your fan base, like people getting a bit too carried away because, you know, it's a, it's a long season in the Premier League, injuries can start to hit. And um, of course, you know, your manager's not ex- experienced in the Premier League in that sense. I don't know how overly important that is. Um, but are you worried that you've got, or have you got enough depth, really, I suppose, to deal with any sort of crisis that could come along? I think within the podcast that we do, we're sort of quite level headed about it because I think you have to be. Um, but for those outside that sort of dip in and out on a on that weekly basis, you know, you do get people who will turn on a sixpence and and will turn on the side straight away, which is a shame. Um, but that's the way football is. You know, it's it's a results based business. Uh, people pay their money sometimes. Um, <laughs> sometimes they're just they're just armchair fans, if you know what I mean. But I think is there a complacency? No. Are we used to winning? Yes. And I think that's where the difference is because. We haven't lost many games in the last 12 months. Mm. Um, and when we have, um, they've either been to sort of rival teams, teams in and around, which, which have been very disappointing. I think that's why fans react rather differently to it. Um, but like I say, having lost only once in the Premier League, we're getting quite used to winning, um, but we're usually playing well at the same time. So it, it, it is honestly just a pleasure to watch at the moment. And having seen it all before under, under McCarthy, and I would never want to knock those years, but the year we got relegated was absolutely terrible football. We got relegated again from the championship to League One. You know, I think those are the days that are set in people's minds, which makes this so enjoyable to watch. So are you telling me you wouldn't take Kenny Jacket back at the drop of a hat? <laughs> I think he could go and work behind the bar in, <laughs> in, in Molyneux, but I think that's probably about his level. I think he's found it at, at Portsmouth. Yeah, so um, as a Palace fan and experienced two administrations in my time already, uh, I would see all of this money and all of this spending, I, it, it would be all too good to be true for me. Um, do you worry that it could all go pear-shaped? I'll be honest, no. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, we were talking about over the last 12 months, uh, with a lot of away perspectives and, and teams that we've spoken to, have asked similar questions, and rightly so. But I'll always compare what we are now to maybe the Portsmouth team of 08-09 or 9-10, um, who had good players on big wages, but they had no sell-on value. So when the push came to shove, you basically either got rid of them, paid up their expensive contracts, and you were left with a financial problem. But in Wolves' case, it's a little bit different because we paid about £16 million for Ruben Neves. He's worth more than £16 million. Now I can tell you that. Um, if Riyad Mahrez is worth £60 million, then we're going to be looking at at least fifty. Uh, Jota, I reckon that was probably in the region of about £12 million. He's definitely worth more than that now. Uh, Willie Bolly at the back, I think it's about £10 million for him. He's worth more now. Uh, you know, all over the pitch, I can't see anyone leaving for a small amount of money who's a quality player, apart from maybe Jamatinho, who is quality, but he's 32, but we only paid $5 million for him. Um, Jimenez up front, main striker, he's on loan. There's an option to buy at the end of the season. Uh, so I think we're just doing it the right way. You know, we're investing in young, talented players that if the proverbial hit the fan, 
uh, they could be offloaded for a, for a profit, and I don't think it would be that much of a problem. But uh, folks in a, uh, which own Wolves, um, I think made eight hundred million in their last half yearly profits. I mean, they're an investment company, so they're they're seeing this as a ten year plan at the moment, and they are sort of ahead of where they want to be in terms of promotion to the Premier League. But they want a Champions League team by the end of that ten year period. You've convinced me I'm going to put money on now, I think. (laughs) Um, Moving on to Saturday, uh, you watched Monday night against Bournemouth. Uh, Did we strike fear into your hearts? No, I think uh, I didn't know who was worse, (laughs) Bournemouth and Palace. I'm sorry to say it, but do you know what? I think the only thing that worries me is that uh, against Palace, we don't always do that well. And uh, historically, that's been the case. Obviously, we're not playing 10 years ago, so it is going to be different. It's a different game. It's going to be a different set of players um and there's a a different feeling for both teams around the game um but i think it's always an entertaining game and palace have, in my eyes have always been an entertaining side who do belong in the premier league in my opinion and i think it'll be a great day we're going up and we've got a couple of friends coming over from america uh who are coming and watching the game too um so hopefully it's a cracking atmosphere uh, and the right result for us, hopefully. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, we hope we're hoping for that um, because you know, let's face it, it's better than Millwall, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. So, what's the prediction for the game? Are, are you are you going to take away the three points? I think, based on what I saw uh, of us at the weekend and what I saw of Palace on Monday, I would say that we we will just edge it. I don't think we're going to batter batter you in any any sense of the words um and i'm always a little bit apprehensive going away from home anyway um but i think it i think we'll nudge it to one which i think is what your prediction was that's exactly what i said yes um yeah mm, as i said i'm not sure we know what our best 11 is at the moment and it's all a bit jiggery pokery so um i don't think you'll see the best out of palace until about december time but um yeah 2-1 i can't disagree with you there so um and hopefully we can meet up for a drink on saturday and uh shake hands on a draw that'll be much better in my eyes <laughs> <laughs> well absolutely yeah, i'm totally up for that because uh, we want to sort of um see the sights a little bit so if you're up for that then then we certainly yes are. i will show you the sights of south norwood don't worry <laughs> look sam thank you so much for joining us and um, good luck with the rest of the season no problem thanks very much back of the nest match preview podcast www.backofthenest.com 
again, I will echo what I said up there. Check out that podcast. It's excellent. Very, very good listen. Of course, I'm on this week's one, so you should certainly want to listen to that. I know Albert will, right? Yeah, definitely, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, so I'm going to start up front. So I think that's the only place we can really start at the moment. Um, My opinion of Ayu after the Huddersfield game was I thought he was excellent there. But now I, I fear that I misplaced my viewing of his game in you know, his application in running around, pressing people and putting in the defensive shift has clouded my judgment into how he actually uses his running. And um, I'm fearing that <laughs> he might be added to the banter striker list in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's looking like he's uh, he's on his way there, isn't it? Um, I was the same. I thought he was good against Huddersfield, actually. And, and like you say, that the reason I thought he was good was because he, you know, he showed a lot of energy, a lot of willing to run, which we needed uh, during the game. But since then, you know, he hasn't he hasn't looked great. Um, and I think probably he's all right if you bring him off the bench and just tell him last fifteen, just run around and be a pain. But if he's leading the line, which he is at the moment, he needs to have a lot more impact in the game. And I think that even when we're not doing that well. He can still, you know, make make his mark on the game. And when we are doing well in the second half, he wasn't involved as much as he should be, really. Um, so yeah, I I wanted to see the best in him, and he's obviously got something about him because he's scored goals at Villa and Swansea. But what we need right now is someone that can really, like I say, make his mark on the game. And it, it's hard to see how he's going to do that, to be honest. Albert, would it surprise you if I told you that Jordan Ayew's only played against Palace twice and has two goals? Uh, no, because I've witnessed them both. <laughs> Livid. Weldies as well. Uh, do you think he'll um, ever score for us or sup- at least surpass that total of two? Uh, well, if, 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 if you said I had to put a tenner on either him or Surlot to score two, <laughs> I would be backing Ayew all the way. But... If you're listening, Mr. Ayu, don't consider that a ringing endorsement. We've got got a striker crisis now, haven't we? Uh, I mean, Ayu can't do it. Um, People already call him for us to switch back to 4-4-2 and put Townsend and Zaha up front together, which I think only mainly worked last season because initially it was a surprise to teams and they didn't really know how we were working around it. And then when they figured it out, the goal was dried up and then it started to kick back into motion again once Ruben Loftus-Cheek got in the team and made, and he made the huge difference, basically. And in the background right now, I've got the Chelsea game on on the TV and uh, he's starting Loftus-Cheek and he's looked, he's looked excellent. Um, his drive, his power and pace on the ball, everything that he does on the ball was very, very key to that 4-4-2 formation. And the triangles that we created with with the overloads of Townsend and Zaha down his side and with Patrick Van Arnhold getting in as well, which created all the space for MacArthur to get in round the back post. And that's why we created so many chances and scored so many goals. But without that person on the left, I'm, I'm just not really sure the 4-4-2 works. And that's why I think 4-3-3 is the right way to go. But one thing I talked about in the Bournemouth game is I thought Milivojevic, again, was far from his best, but I thought he looked a lot better alongside Maya. I mean, people talk a lot about him 
mishitting a couple of long crossfield balls, but in the main, his passing was a lot more accurate. He looks a lot more comfortable alongside someone who was prepared to take more of the ball. And um, I think that's important going forward. But in, we then have the problem in a 4-3-3 is, do you stick with MacArthur, Heskiff, or do you bring Kiate in? And then based on that, I feel that Luca and Maya should be together. Do you think Kiate could play in a more advanced role from what you've seen of him so far? Well, I definitely think that Kiate should be in the first team at the moment. As I say, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a big, big fan of MacArthur, but his, his form this season hasn't been great. Um, and while you know, I don't think Luca's form's been great. I think he was marginally better, like you say, against Bournemouth. And regardless, he's the captain. I, uh, whether he should be dropped or not, I, I don't think he's going to be. So, Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy would be the one to go at the moment. Um, as for who plays where in midfields, I mean, that's a that's a very good question. It's it's tough because you know, obviously, Luca's going to sit in there and be the be the enforcer sort of thing, but. With Kiate, I haven't seen enough of him to know exactly where he's comfortable, but you know, he looks like he can go with the ball. I would imagine he's more of a defensive midfielder, but you can also because maybe because he's just got really long legs, but you can see him charging forward with the ball. Um, maybe not quite to the extent of Loftus Cheek, but I, I can't imagine that Kiate is easy to shrug off the ball. So, you know, that could be an option. Um, I certainly think the three of them should be given a go. I think they all have very good attributes that I would imagine would complement each other. Um, and even if not, you have to play them to see, don't you? I mean, you can't just keep sticking to certain players who aren't performing. At some point, you've got to give them the boot and give someone else a go. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would play those three against Wolves. Um, you know, the midfield didn't hasn't looked great throughout this season, really. So you might as well change it up and give it a go. How do you think we're going to cope, Albert, with Wolves' threat? Obviously, they've got the the young boy, Ruben Neves, in now. He's been doing very well. And, of course, the experience of Jean Moutinho, um, who everyone in world football knows about. Do you, do you think it has to be a three in there to handle those two? Yeah, you're, I mean, the, prob- the problem we've got, I mean, it starts with the striker crisis. There's such a, there's such a lack of options or lack of decent options at the top that, you know, the, the pyramid sort of crumbles from the head down, really. And... It's hard. It's hard to know what to do. Like if you know, if you if you've got a Benteke, Townsend, and Wilf, and you know, I'm not going to go with Wilfred Zaha because he's obviously our standout player and he's playing very well. If, but if you've got all three of them on song, the midfield kind of takes takes care of itself. You just need three people in there that can retain the ball and 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 find those players. But we've not got those players to find at the moment, so it kind of just becomes a bit of a ju- a bit of a jumble. Um, and when you find, like you say, when you find yourselves up against. All right, they've just been promoted, but you know, but you know, there's they're sort of they're financially doped, and they've got players that they probably wouldn't expect to have in different circumstances. But you know, they are the team that they are, and we, I think we probably have to just we probably just have to battle and keep it extremely tight, and and hope we can nick something on the break. I mean, it's a it's a like I say, I know they I know they just come up. It's a it's a it's a sad state of affairs when we're we're sitting here saying we need to bed in against Wolves and try and nick something on the counter. Yeah, but do you think that might help us, Heskiff, in terms of we need some teams to come out and just come at us, which we haven't really had this season so far in the teams that we've played. You know, um, 
I know Southampton had a lot of the ball, but it wasn't like they were, you know, sitting us on a, the edge of our 18-yard line and forcing us more and more towards our goal. Bournemouth, much of the same, were not really forcing us really, really into our penalty area. Wouldn't it be nice to actually have a team that says, you know what, we're just going to attack you relentlessly and hopefully we can pick them off in behind? Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing we talked about last year um, a few times in the pod was that, you know, we need to have a plan B. Where, where the plan A is, you know, we're obviously a very quick team and we can get the ball and counter-attack quickly. And we wanted to have a plan B in case that sort of got sussed. And we've got that more this year. You know, we can pass the ball through a bit more, but it does tend to lead us to sort of building up a, a little more slowly, which I don't think suits us quite as much. Um, but if you look at the, like you say, if you look at the performances we've had this year, I actually thought we played pretty well against Liverpool um, at home. And they were obviously, you know, on the front foot for most of the game. So, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier on, it's hard to know what's not clicking. Uh, and maybe it's that we need to go back to what we know and what we're good at. And that's using the pace and trying to break. But there again, you know, even though he wasn't scoring, you would say Benteke being up top gives us, you know, we can hoof it if we need to and then have the runners on beyond him. Whereas if we're playing someone like IU up front or Serlot for that matter, it, it, they're not going to support our, our wide men as well as we need them to. So it's very tough. Um, and I agree with Albert that the, the striker situation's a, a major issue for a number of reasons. But yeah, maybe if, if someone's coming at us and leaving space behind that we can exploit um, and we can get Wilf and Andros and PVA running into that, then maybe that's what we need to kickstart the season a bit. Albert? Hi. Yeah, no, yeah, just look at going on what Sam was saying. I think I think with Meyer in the team, based on the sort of the, the bit of the game I did see on Monday and the, the you know, the snatches that we've seen of him, I think we can I think we can build slowly because he you know, he always wants the ball and if and if and if there's if there's nothing on on one side of the pitch, it come it can come back inside to Meyer and he looks to switch it and sort of explore avenues down the other side. But where we fall apart, and again it goes back to the strike situation is you know, it gets it gets into the box or it gets around the box, and 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 there's not a, there's not a decent focal point that can you know try and capitalise on it. You know, Zaha and PVA can sort of pull out these wonder goals, but just sort of you know, and, and I think that's I think that's the thing that people forget about Benteke. And I've defended Benteke for ages, and even I'm starting to get a bit sick of it. But I think you can't deny that Benteke gets into positions to to miss chances, and as frustrating as that is, as frustrating as that is. Can can anybody name a decent? And you know they've not had a huge amount of game time, but can anybody you know highlight a really decent chance that either Serlot or Ayu have had in you know in in the in the time that they've had on the pitch? You know, again, I just feel that you know we're all everyone's ready to beat Benteke with the stick, and again, it's it's fair enough, but you know he gets into positions to at least miss, and I don't see anybody else doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you're right i i completely agree you've you've not got anyone um getting there to score the goals and you've got to think and but we've been saying it now for well over a year that surely it's going to turn around for benteke at some point and he has to go through a run where he scores 15 goals in 10 games but just by the percentages even in themselves out in terms of the chances that he creates for himself i mean i don't th- i think he's only five other players or something in the Premier League have missed more um, what they call clear-cut chances than he has. Um, and then when you actually look at the goals, everyone else in that list has scored like 15 or 20 goals in the space of a year. And he's 
languishing behind on just the two or the three, whatever it is. And of course, one of those is a, is a penalty. And, um, but I think the striking crisis could probably be summed up in, um, let's go Heskiff. Who, who do you play up front on, on Saturday? Oh, why are you coming to me first? Um, oh, four, four, two. <laughs> so what Wilf, is Wilf and Andros. And what about you, Albert? Is Ben Teke out? He is out, yes. Is Connor Wickham out? Yes. Yeah, let's do what Sam said. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just so wary about moving to a four four two, um, especially in against a midfield of Wolves that is so talented. And I feel like we need the three in there. So for me, I mean, I think Ayu's had his chance and now we need to give Serla a run out and... Uh, I don't think that's going to solve any problems um, unless giving him the start will actually encourage him to, you know, into something that learn where the goal gets is. a performer. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he he was okay at West Brom, but we were playing against a, not a very good West Brom side that we run over easily and could have easily scored seven or eight. But again, he never looked like scoring in that game, but he did bring other players into the game a lot better in that than he's done um, so far of what we've seen of him. So... I don't know. It's it's a debacle indeed, and the fact that none of us are really expecting to beat a newly promoted side, I think, says it all. Um, so we'll go away here, and then when we come back, we'll do predictions, and then see if we can find any positivity anywhere. Back of the nest match preview podcast. www.backofthenest.com so once again, only 15% of people were right last week from the poll. Um, 15% of you went for Cherry, cherry Springer. Um, you see what I did there, Albert? Mate, I wish I'd seen that at the time. That's a, that's a corker. 15%. Uh, and that was the, the week before 15% of you was right, which could be something that bodes very well as this week's poll. Fifteen <laughs> percent of people have only gone for a Palace win, uh, which is obviously a huge shift. But the options this week were <laughs> Game of Thrones reference, Dire Wolves, Dire Wolves as a Palace win. You liking that, Albert? I I haven't seen Game of Thrones, but I'm sure it's very good. The sure pro- the program and your reference to the aforementioned program. <laughs> um, for draw. How have we not won that? Yeah, I like that one. How? That's good. Tick. Yeah, that's good. And then for a loss, Coyote Ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, they're just not getting any better. So 59% of people have gone for a Wolves win, which is... Oh, um, I mean, I'm one of them, but even I'm disappointed. That that's the statistic. <laughs> <laughs> and 26% of people have gone for a draw, so... Um, Right, last week, Hesk, if you went 2-0 loss, so you were very close with the Bournemouth result. Mm. Patrick O'Connor went for a 0-0 and I went for a 2-2. So, um, well done there. <laughs> you will not be surprised to hear that Ed Kellaway got it right last week. Um, so he is now on 13 points, where again, and I, I checked, I think it was 21 points that won it last year. So he's already on 13. So there's probably no cash in him. And um, guess, who's in, guess who's in second place, Albert? Me? Is you? Is it? Five points, a whopping five points. Have that. I don't think I even entered last week. You don't need to catch <laughs> up. This side is wicked, by the way. <laughs> um, 
As for this week, uh, Ben Long has gone 3-0, Wolves and a complete meltdown from Palace. Um, Will's gone 2-0 Palace, 38th and 88th minute, very specific there. Jack CPFC has gone 2-0 to Portugal FC. I'm not as confident as I should be, but I hope I'm wrong. Um, right, let's hear your loss, Albert. What are you predicting? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for a 2-1 two, a two reverse, unfortunately. I think we're going to get bitten bitten hard by a, a wolf or wolves. Wolves. <laughs> and who's scoring our goal? Uh, anyone. I'll, t- any, I'll take anyone. Um, P- P- PVA, two on the spin. Mm. <laughs> I'd rather him do some actual defending, but um, I won't get into that. Overrated, um, mate. Overrated. That'll be an unpopular opinion, I'm sure. Uh, Heskiff. I'm going to mirror my prediction from last week. I think it's going to be a 2-0 win to Wolves. Um, we haven't scored at home this season, which is something that doesn't get talked about quite as much. But I just can't see it happening again. I mean, I can see it happening again, us not scoring. Uh, and Wolves, I've, I've seen a, a bit of them, and they look pretty good. They look quick, confident on the ball. So, unfortunately, I think a goal midway through each half, and it'll be 2-0 to Wolves. Ouch. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. I think we're going to lose. Um, I I don't think it'll be quite as... I think we'll score this week um, through through OG <laughs> um, in a 2-1 loss. Um, I, we Until Zaha really takes any game by the scruff on the neck, I know this sounds crazy because he's already got three goals this season, which is you know more than he's had at this stage of any season, I think, um, and is well on pace to score plenty of goals. I think he hasn't really hit second gear yet and we need until he actually starts to really turn it on. I, we're going to struggle to score goals because I don't think I is going to score them. I don't think Surlot's going to score them. Um, Townsend, you know, doesn't score anywhere near as much as he should. MacArthur's completely off the boil and probably won't even be getting in the team. Maya doesn't really have any goals to his name from last season. I don't think he scored any. Um, albeit playing as a defensive midfielder. Kiate is not full of goals. Um, so you see where I'm getting with this. So it's, it's basically we need Zaha to score the goals and until he hits some slightly better form, I think we're going to struggle. But fingers crossed he'll find that this weekend and um, we'll all look back on this next week laughing and wondering what we was ever worried about. Uh, right, we'll be back shortly to say goodbye. <laughs> Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Right, so Love Sports already happened this week, so you've probably seen that in your outboxes. Hambo and DR, and Chris as well, I think, was there. Um, Review show this week will be back to normal on Sunday, and that will be Hambo and some sort of crew. Um, As for us... Look, it was a delight to have you back, Albert. I know I dug you out at the start, but I was only joking, mate. We've missed oh, you. I like the digging out. It's all good, mate. <laughs> yeah, you've been married for a long time now, so I don't think any digging out happens for you anymore, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, not when got... you... welcome back, Albert, mate. <laughs> not when you're doing two weeks of night shoots in the Czech Republic, it doesn't. I can wait. Night? What? What shoots? Got... Night shoots. <laughs> oh right, okay, okay. Good. Not that you. <laughs> <laughs> well you know what Czech Republic's one of those places mate it's a very stag do kind of vibe isn't it oh mate there's stag do's everywhere 
<laughs> yeah, very good. 80p a bottle of beer and all of that. Um, and Heskiff, as always, thank you for joining, sir. Cheers, mate. See you next. No, not next week. Oh, we're off next week. We are off next week. You're going to say see you next Thursday, weren't you? We all know what that means. Well, no comment. Um, Considering what you've just called me on on our WhatsApp group, mate. I did call you a see you next Thursday, didn't I? You did. (laughs) Right, let's end this madness. Um, Come on, Palace. We can do it on the weekend against Wolves. Have some belief and Zaha find some magic. But until until two weeks' time when we'll be here previewing the game against somebody help me out the other team the opposition that's the The winners (laughs) the winners of that game man until then up the palace it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.